Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Money Wise with Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, your financial and retirement guide. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Sunday morning. And just a reminder, the mission of USA Wealth is to help you protect your family and protect your money. Let's find out what we'll be talking about today with our host, Ray Lance. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good Sunday morning, Phil. Hello there, Ray. It's nice to see your smiling face again. <laughs> Thank you, likewise. And I like those glasses, by the way. Yeah? Yes, I do. They're, they're sort of the original rose-colored glasses, in a way. These are $3 specials from Ocean State. <laughs> Boy, you get gypped. I only pay $2 for my glasses. I have them all over the place because I break them all the time and lose them. But uh, good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about uh, a very serious subject this morning. We're going to be talking about elder abuse. Sometimes it's physical abuse. Sometimes it's financial abuse. But it's a fairly serious problem. I've been told and I've read statistics that it affects as many as 10% of our population. And uh, Tenny has had some experience with that as well. So we have two guests with us this morning. There's an important conference coming up on Monday we're going to be discussing, uh, put on by the district attorney's office primarily and Bristol Elder Services. And our two guests this morning are, first of all, Attorney Tenny Lance, uh, my favorite uh, co-speaker. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning. And uh, welcome. And we also have with us a very important uh, young lady, Jennifer Dias Resendez. Who's, uh, she's smiling because I said young lady, but you are a young lady. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Jennifer works with Bristol Elder Services, and it's a nonprofit agency. Uh, you've been there since 1995, I guess. Correct. So I know a little bit about your background. I know you have a Bachelor of Arts degree in sociology from the University of Massachusetts in Dartmouth. And I think you also have a master's degree, don't you? I do, in social work. Okay, where was that from? That's from Rhode Island College. Okay, and are you a social worker also? I am. I have a licensed, certified social worker. Okay, that's an important designation, isn't it? I think so. Now, do you work uh, with an actual client population, or do you work uh, primarily doing administrative work? What, what, what actually do you do? I am the Protective Services Clinical Manager at Bristol Elder Services. So what that means is I oversee the protective unit, which investigates elder abuse. Okay. How many investigators do you have? How many people actually go out and investigate elder abuse? We have 15 workers that do investigations in the 23 communities that we serve. All right. What is, what is your community area? What communities do you serve? Bristol's Protective Unit oversees elder abuse investigations in the greater Attleboro, greater mm -hmm. Fall River, greater New Bedford, and greater Taunton areas. So it's, it's quite a wide range, isn't it? Yes, it is. And let me ask you this sort of a really general question. Is elder abuse a serious problem? Definitely. And it's growing, unfortunately. Mm. Well, I know, Tenny, you've seen some actual examples in your practice that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, and I would concur uh, with you, Jennifer, that it is a serious problem. And we're going to talk today about some areas of elder abuse, what people should know about elder abuse, and how to recognize, how to spot elder abuse. What do you do if you think that a neighbor or a relative or a friend is a victim of elder abuse? One of the important things that I've read is that many victims of elder abuse never report the fact that they have had abuse. 
both because of embarrassment. Uh, they're afraid to tell people. They don't want their family to think that they've been abused, so the family will you know, do something medically with them or put them in a facility where they don't want to be, or they're just plain embarrassed that they become a victim and they, they don't want people to think that they no longer can handle their affairs. So embarrassment is one reason that people don't report it. But it is a serious problem. Yes, it is. Now, um, I know that you also have a background uh, in local elder justice. You worked with something called Southeastern Alliance for Elders, which is SAFE. That is correct. SAFE is our acronym. It is a local elder justice coalition that we formed in 2008 with Coastline Elderly Services and other local organizations to help provide education and outreach in order to combat elder abuse. Okay, let's go right into the subject of elder abuse. I know there's a conference coming up uh, very soon. In fact, it's on Monday, tomorrow. And um, this conference is taking place on Monday, June 15th. And it's, what's the name of the conference? Is it an elder conference or is it an elder abuse conference? It's an elder abuse prevention conference with a focus on financial exploitation. Oh, good. So I like the idea of prevention a lot also. Now, uh, Bristol Elder Services is a co-sponsor of this event? Correct, along with the Bristol County District Attorney's Office and Senior Whole Health. Okay, what is Senior Whole Health? They are a insurance program for mm-hmm. seniors 65 and older who are Medicare and MassHealth eligible. Mm. You know, in the area of uh, financial abuse, uh, first of all, is this conference open to the general public or is it primarily for professionals or who should be interested in attending? It is open to all. We are hoping to get seniors themselves Mm -hmm. in attendance as well as professionals who work with seniors in order to educate them about financial exploitation, how to recognize it early on and hopefully prevent it Mm -hmm. or at least... um, intervene if it's already started. So. All right. So we know the conference is on uh, Monday, June 15th, uh, tomorrow. What time is the conference and where is it going to take place? It begins at 8.30 and runs until 12.30. It will be held at Bristol Community College in Fall River. Mm-hmm. It's the G building. We will have free breakfast from 8.30 to 9.30 and vendor resource tables for individuals to visit. Mm -hmm. The program actually begins at 9.30 with a welcome, and then we have guest speakers at 10 o'clock with a representative from the Attorney General's office, and then at 11 o'clock we have an attorney who specializes in elder financial exploitation. Is there any cost to attend? No, it is free. Okay, good. So if, if somebody is interested and attending this conference on elder abuse, and especially elder financial, financial elder abuse, uh, they're invited to come at uh, 8.30 on Monday morning, June 15th, tomorrow morning, at Bristol Community College, Building G. Correct. Good. And, uh, Tenny, I know you're going to be there as well, and I think you have a table or an exhibit or something? We do. Lance Law will have a table there with brochures and information, And um, many of our staff will be there just to talk with people about the kinds of legal services that we can provide. You know, Phil, I like to do uh, certain things on this show, and and I like to do quotations, and sometimes they're humorous quotations. And so I said to my office staff when I was preparing to do this presentation this morning, I said, 
how do I find jokes about elder abuse? Because there probably aren't any. It's a serious subject. But um, here's what I found out from Plato, one of our famous Greek philosophers. He said, good people do not need laws to tell them how to act responsibly, while bad people will find a way around the laws. (laughs) I thought, you know, that's really appropriate when we're talking about elder abuse. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have seen some situations. I I think, Tenny, you had a case not uh, long ago about somebody who was a resident of Massachusetts and then went to Florida and I know you can't talk a lot about the details, but um, can you mention anything at all about that uh, and what happened to this lady's finances? Well, this was a difficult case. Um, the lady was found after apparently being on the floor for several days in her home with no one attending her. Um, her son apparently had been uh, taking money from her, uh, perhaps had even uh, transferred some of her resources to his name, like her house. Um, And we see lots of sad, uh, but I guess not unusual cases, because we do do home visits to people who are homebound. Was there any intervention by a social agency in that case? There became intervention, yes, by a church-sponsored group, and this lady ultimately got care and ultimately was placed in a nursing facility. So she was well taken care of, uh, at least her body, but her finances were pretty well depleted. Hmm. Well, you know, often it's a family member. It doesn't have to be a family member. Um, I know you have situations in your law practice, Tenny, when you have reason sometimes to question whether somebody is competent and capable of making informed decisions. And what are some of the things that you might do if you have reason to question that? Well, we might do one of many things. Um, First of all, of course, we have conversations with these people. And if they uh, appear to understand what we're talking about, if they know the year, the president, and all those other sorts of facts, that um, we feel reasonably comfortable that they can make their own decisions On the other hand, if we don't feel comfortable, we ask that the family provide us with something from a physician that would uh, state whether or not that person had any sense that the the client was not capable. Okay. So does anybody have any statistical information? I mean, how serious is the problem of elder financial abuse? Well, I can tell you a a little bit about from... Bristol's perspective, from July 1st of 2014 through May 2014, excuse me, 15, we received 2,422 elder abuse reports Mm. at Bristol Elder Services. So that's an average of 220 reports a month for us. That's a lot. Very much. We are actually the largest protective service unit in the state of Massachusetts in terms of the volume of reports that we receive. The number one reported allegation for us is self-neglect. Just over 50% of the reports we receive are elders who are self-neglectful. Our second highest reported allegation is neglect, and our third is financial exploitation, and Mm -hmm. it's risen dramatically over the last 10 years. I wonder if any of of the fact of those high statistics has to do with uh, the economic uh, conditions in our area, because we tend to be an area of higher unemployment um, people who don't have as many uh, financial resources. So maybe that's the reason that people tend to take advantage more in this area than 
maybe in other parts of the state. I I agree with you. I think there's a couple of other um, reasons, just my opinion. Um, Bristol serves four major cities, which is a little um, more with high population, obviously. We have an, a high elder population within those cities. As you mentioned, most of them were uh, working class mill cities. So they do have a lower socioeconomic status as well. Mm-hmm. I think the general economic climate over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years in the United States hasn't helped that. Um, we find family members depending more and more on their elderly relatives because they do have a stable income. Mm-hmm. They get a monthly Social Security check and, sure. you know, they end up being dependent on that. They move back in with mom or dad or grandma and they end up, you know, taking advantage of them. And not everybody, but um, I think it just adds to some of the concerns that we uncover. You know, I was just thinking, I didn't prepare this ahead of time, but I remember a case specifically where we assisted a woman to do a reverse mortgage. I think she was in Swansea or Somerset area. And the reason she had to do a reverse mortgage is because she had a grandson who was drug dependent living with her. And the grandson had literally gone through over $300,000 of this woman's assets, virtually everything she had. When her liquid assets were gone, uh, he then got into her credit card, uh, her credit cards. And he made her feel guilty that, you know, he needed to go get treatment and and he wasn't going to get medical treatment if she didn't go with him to the ATM and take some cash out. And she built up uh, a fairly good amount of credit card debt. It was thirty dollars or $40,000 as well. Finally, this lady who was, you know, had all of her faculties came into my office to talk about her financial situation. Uh, she came in with her sister, and her sister said, "We want to cancel the cards. We, you know, once the cards are canceled, he won't have any more access to anything." And uh, she ultimately did a reverse mortgage, which allowed her to pay off her credit card debt, have some further income to live on, and when the credit cards were canceled, the grandson then moved out of the house. Suddenly, he had no more, <laughs> yeah, no more money to you know go after. So, yeah. I mean, that's just one example that I've seen that had over about three hundred and thirty, three hundred and forty thousand dollars that he had taken from his grandmother. So it's it's real and it does happen. I know that even on a national level, FINRA, which is the um, federal agency, financial industry regulatory authority, FINRA. Uh, they regulate all financial planners. They regulate stockbrokers and people who have securities licenses. Uh, even FINRA on a federal level is asking major firms to clarify what are they doing to make sure that their representatives and their agents are not involved in any kind of elder abuse. Let me just um, move for one second to the question of uh, physical abuse. And we're talking with Jennifer Dias Resendez who is with uh, Bristol Elder Services. Um, do, you, do you see examples also of physical abuse? I know every once in a while there's an article in the paper that talks about, you know, there's a, a gentleman who recently, in the last few months, was actually being prosecuted for elder neglect because he was not physically taking care of his mother. We do. Um, the actual categories that we uh, broke it down to is the self-neglect, neglect, financial exploitation, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse, as well as the physical that you mentioned. Mm. Um, sexual is probably the least reported category, not that it doesn't exist. I, I just feel that people don't always report it or recognize it. 
um, unless it's you know, very blatant that they come across it. Mm. And very often there's a stigma. As you mentioned before, people are, um, you know, fearful to report. They may have shame. They may not want to get a loved one in trouble mm -hmm. as well, or they're concerned that the loved one will stop providing them with care and place them in a nursing facility potentially. Um, the last one you mentioned, the sexual abuse, kind of surprises me because I wouldn't have thought of that as being form of elder abuse, but I guess it can happen at any level. I guess if it can happen with young children, it can happen with older people as well. And it's not just with a, you know, family member such as a adult child or a grandchild, um, but even domestic violence can be considered sexual abuse with elders, you know, with spousal mm -hmm. abuse. So, sure. you know, just because it's now recognized when they're older, it may have been occurring when they were much younger, you know, throughout their married life, mm -hmm. but that individual now, that elder, may not be as capable as they were 30 years ago to sort of fend off and cope and deal with their abuser, that spouse. Mm -hmm. Now, they may be more frail. They may have a cognitive impairment as well, which impacts their ability um, to deal with the abusive situation. Jennifer, let me ask the question. Um, so your agency, Bristol Elder Services, obviously does a lot of investigations. Do you do counseling as well? We do not. We would refer out and help that individual get hooked up with the services and resources to mm -hmm. help remedy or minimize whatever their abusive situation may be. When we do substantiate a case regarding the allegations that were reported or that we uncovered during the course of our investigation, Everything is client-centered and driven, so we can only do what that elder will allow us to do. And we work from a least restrictive to a most restrictive service intervention. So, All right. But I assume one of the very important things you must do also is then report over to uh, police departments or the district attorney's office. Correct. When it reaches a certain level for us, we are mandated to report to the district attorney's office, mm -hmm. and then it would go over to them because we truly are a social service agency. We're not a criminal agency. Okay, sure. But that's not to say that some of the cases that we get don't reach a criminal level, and but then we would pass it off to the law enforcement to look into further. All right, so here's a really important question. Let's say somebody listening today is concerned that they are being abused or have been abused or they're concerned about a family member they think is abused or a neighbor that they think is being taken advantage of by a child, for example, how could somebody report that to Bristol Elder Services? How, how would, what number would they call to ask somebody to look into a situation? If anyone has concerns about elder abuse, they should call Bristol Elder Services, our main number, which is area code 508-675-2101, and ask to speak with a protective intake worker because they want to file a report. Mm -hmm. And that's during normal business hours for us, which is Monday through Friday from 9 to 5. If they have concerns after business hours, nights, weekends, holidays, there is a statewide elder abuse hotline that they can contact, which is 1-800-922-2275. Okay. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening and you have interest and you didn't have a chance to write that down, we're going to repeat those numbers again uh, near the end of this program. But also, if you just forget it in general, you can always call my office at USA Wealth Group and 
You know how to get in touch with us because we repeat our number every week, 508-998-8858. And we'll be happy to put you in touch with Bristol Elder Services as well. It's not what we do. We actually do work in the financial area. And we're going to come back to that in a moment. Um, Tenny, uh, you're going to be a participant uh, and you're going to have an, a, a table, I guess, with some information about what uh, Lance Law does uh, at the conference that's taking place tomorrow on Monday. And um, you're also doing a program coming up in the near future, aren't you? You want to describe that? We are. We do a lot of workshops whenever we have the opportunity. The one that's coming up on Tuesday evening, June 16th, is hosted by the New Bedford Healthcare Center, um, and that address is 221 Fitzgerald Drive, New Bedford. Um, if anybody is interested in coming to that workshop, we're going to be talking about estate planning, Medicaid planning, wills, trusts, all those sorts of things, and to try to help people understand them and see whether they are uh, interested in pursuing any of those legal documents. So if you are interested in that workshop, you could call our office at 508-998-8800. We would love to reserve a seat for you, um, and we would look forward to seeing you on Tuesday evening at 6.30. Okay, and what's the location of that again? New Bedford Health Care Center. It's in the north end, uh, about a block and a half off Ashley Boulevard, um, it's 221 Fitzgerald Drive. It's near Truckee's uh, no, supermarket. supermarket. Right. right. Now, Tenny, I, I know you work. I'm oh, sorry, you're going to say something. Go ahead. Could first. I ask a question? Um, how difficult is it to prosecute an elder abuse financial situation? I don't know if you know the answer to that because I don't know if, if the elder is providing the funds voluntarily. Um, how is there a prosecution? And I obviously can't speak to the, the details of the legal system because that's not my role. Right. But, you know, with our experience with financial exploitation cases, there's usually a paper trail. So that adds to, I think, being able to prosecute. As you mentioned, if that individual has willingly given the money, that's probably a little more difficult. If there is any indication that maybe that individual um, has been manipulated or coerced in any way, then I think, you know, the legal system takes that into account as well and may have a better chance of prosecuting that. Um, but it's not really my area of expertise, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I probably should not have asked you that, but I see so many cases where uh, – uh, a lady in Fairhaven, people in New Bedford, um, somebody uh, recently to the to the west, um, where they are willingly providing children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever, with money because they feel that this person has a need, and yet they are being drained of all of their financial resources. And often One, they do it because I think they're afraid that if they don't give the kids money and the grandkids money, they're not going to come around to visit. So it becomes a really vicious cycle. We're going to come back in just a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about elder abuse and financial abuse in particular. We're here this morning with attorney Tenny Lance from Lance Law, Inc., and also with Jennifer Dias Resendiz with Bristol Elder Services. And as a reminder, there's a very important elder abuse financial conference coming up uh, tomorrow morning, Monday, 
uh, 16th of June, and the public is invited to attend that. I want to leave you with a very sobering thought before we take our quick break. I read recently that seniors lose $36.5 billion every year to elder financial abuse. We're going to come back right after the break and talk about how do you spot financial abuse, uh, what can you do about it, and please stay tuned. We will be right back. Welcome back to Money Wise with Ray Lance. And uh, I must say, the questions have been interesting. The topic is very important. It's all about elder abuse. And, Ray, from what I understand, uh, there's going to be a very important prevention conference going on tomorrow morning addressing this very, very critical issue. Mm -hmm. There is. It's on uh, Monday, uh, June 16th, and it's going to be at Bristol Community College. I'm sorry, June 15th. Thank you for the correction. I don't have my calendar in front of me. And the memory fades sometimes, Phil. Did you ever notice that? Mine? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't talking oh. about you. Yeah. <laughs> well, this conference is taking place on uh, tomorrow, Monday, June 15th. And it's going to include a breakfast and resource fair with tables from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. There's no cost to attend. Seniors are invited to attend. Um, children of seniors are invited to attend if they're concerned that a neighbor, a relative, a family member may be a victim of financial fraud and abuse. Uh, there are going to be welcoming remarks by uh, the president of Bristol Community College. I've met him before, uh, Dr. Spraga, is that how you pronounce his name? Um, and um, a very nice program. So if you would like to attend, um, Jennifer, Jennifer Diane Resendez from Bristol Elder Services, one of the co-sponsors of this program. How does somebody make a decision to go? How can they find the building, first of all? Building G, I think I've been to before. It is the, I think the official title is the Enrollment Center, but it's where the cafeteria is. So there will be signs Good. Um, once you enter the campus to direct you to the G building. Um it shouldn't be too difficult, hopefully, to find. They do have some construction going on, but we are sure that there will be clear signage for people to find the actual conference. And you've got three sponsors of the program, right? We do. Senior Whole Health, which is an insurance program for mm -hmm. seniors 65 and older, is sponsoring the event along with Bristol Elder Services and the Bristol County District Attorney's Office. With our new district attorney, uh, Tom Quinn the third, I think he's doing a great job, by the way. Uh, been very impressed with what he's done, and uh, he's got a very serious purpose about his office. So I'm glad that they're a co-sponsor of this as well. And uh, Tenny, you're going to be there, Attorney Tenny Lance. You'll be there also. We will be. Our office will be represented with a a table. We would like to talk with people about what kinds of documents they might want to put in place for themselves, um, and we can certainly uh, just welcome everyone. You know, Phil, I, I mentioned earlier that it's hard to find interesting quotations about elder abuse. I mean, because what can you say about elder abuse except take some responsibility for your own actions? Mm -hmm. So I found an interesting quote from somebody called Paxton Blair. There has been in recent years excessive emphasis on a citizen's rights and inadequate stress upon his duties and responsibilities. Oh, yeah. And boy, that's a sign of the times today, isn't it? Certainly and uh, Will Durant, a famous uh, philosopher in, in our nation's history, said, 
Never mind your happiness. Do your duty. Hmm. Short, pithy mm-hmm. statement. So right like, on. I like that one as well. But um, elder abuse, especially financial abuse, is a serious topic. I've had situations in my office when we're talking about something that perhaps a client might consider doing. It might be a financial product or something to increase their income um, and protect their assets at the same time. And a lot of times I'll detect a little bit of uncertainty and I'll say, why don't you come back in with your children? So if we think that there's any reason where somebody doesn't comprehend something or they might want to have family members involved, we'll always recommend let's do a family conference instead so the whole family can be involved in this. And I think that's a very important safeguard when we're talking about this. But there are many people um, who aren't so unscrupulous. We've seen most of the examples that we've seen have been situations where um, it's been a family member who's taken money um, I'd like to ask a question of uh, Jennifer, our, our guest from uh, Bristol Elder Services. Have you run into any situations when you've had paid caregivers who've been a problem? I came across an article recently uh, from AARP that said elder abuse when caregiving goes wrong. A lot of families will use paid home health aides to help take care of uh, family members, but they'll often do it um, by hiring people perhaps who aren't qualified as opposed to an agency that has done background checks on people. And then I guess that can go wrong sometimes. It definitely can, right? We have had um, several cases where a paid caregiver has exploited a senior. Generally, that senior had some form of a dementia and their faculties had declined, and that individual paid caregiver had taken advantage of that Um, We also see cases where elders have been affected by scams Mm -hmm. more and more so lately, where they're sending out money willingly because they believe they're going to win the lottery um, or, you know, that they have to send money in order to, you know, claim their prize. And unfortunately, we've had cases where the elder has lost well over $100,000 sending money to the scams and they for whatever reason, just can't seem to understand and accept that they're not going to win and that they have sort of a compulsion to send this money out. And those are very difficult in order to resolve because the individual will continue to send the money. They have their right to make a poor choice. Do you know that most of the scams in this country in that area come out of Canada? Oh, Canada. Canada. Canada is really big for that. that. Yep, unfortunately. I had a case once when... I went and did a home visit to a woman, and uh, back, oh, this goes back probably 20 years ago when I was practicing law, and she was contemplating bankruptcy, and you could hardly move inside of her apartment. This was in New Bedford. She had stacks and stacks of boxes of books and jewelry and all kinds of stuff that she kept buying to enter into sweepstakes contests. You know, buy so many books, and you get entered into the contest. And she had uh, perfect credit. But she had amassed about $50,000 of credit card debt on three or four credit cards, and she was pyramiding them. And she would actually take a cash advance on one and pay the credit card payment that was due on the other. And she was using these cards to buy merchandise, hoping to win a sweepstake. That's, that's another form of elder abuse. And one of the things that you know comes to mind when you see that is you say, 
where's the family in all this? Where's the family members that don't see what's going on? And in some cases, there are family involved who have been very proactive and have tried to address the situation with that elder, tried to you know, block access from them, continuing to either purchase those items or send money. But the elder ultimately has the right to make that choice if they have the capacity to do so. That's true. And But in many cases, with some of the elders that we serve, they have no one any longer. Mm. Their family may have passed away. They may have not have been married. They have no children. Um, or maybe they have outlived all of you know their family and friends. We have some seniors who are well into their 90s and even early 100s. So... And they may have isolated their family for whatever reason over the years. So once again, if, if somebody thinks that they know a senior or an elder who is perhaps a victim of financial abuse, um, who could they call? What's, what number could they call to get in touch with your office, for example, to report it and ask for an investigation? They should contact Bristol Elder Services. Our main number is area code 508 675 2101 and that's during normal business hours of Monday through Friday from 9 to 5. After hours, nights and weekends or holidays, they can contact the statewide elder abuse hotline at 1-800-922-2275. Okay, good. Thank you. That's very helpful. Jenny? Could I ask another question? Of course. Um, if you suspect that there is... Um, elder abuse going on, or if you suspect that the elder is unable to handle affairs, what criteria do you use to determine that And uh, in general, and uh, what processes that do then you go through as the uh, protective agency? Uh, I'm getting at things like guardianships and conservatorships and what people ought to know about that. Very good question. With all of the investigations that our protective services workers conduct, we would assess an individual's capacity. So as was mentioned earlier, um, similar to what you would do in your practice, we ask questions, have conversations with that individual, see if they are alert and oriented to basics, person, place, and time, whether they have short-term or long-term memory deficits. And then if we question their capacity or feel that they definitely do not have capacity to consent, we would move forward to contact a medical professional if there's one involved. So ideally, they have a primary physician. We would look to the medical professional to make the final determination regarding that individual's capacity. And if they are not currently involved with any type of medical professional, we would look at requesting a consultation from either a licensed psychologist or another physician to do an assessment for us. We very often do have elders who are determined to lack capacity, and then we do have to take the route of going to court and petitioning for a legal guardianship or a conservatorship. But again, that is the last resort because it is a very restrictive means for us in order to take that individual's decision-making rights away. Mm-hmm. Tenny, um, Attorney Tenny Lance, let me ask you a question. I would think that some of the kinds of things that you do would would really be important and perhaps even helping to uh, prevent elder financial abuse, like having appropriate documents in place so that if somebody is is starting to lose competency, maybe somebody would have their durable power of attorney, for example, and be able to help make decisions for them. 
Yes, and, and given the subject that we're discussing today, it's almost two sides of the same uh, sword, in a sense. Um, if people are competent and can put in place a durable power of attorney, they really want to do that with someone that they trust implicitly. If they want to put in place a health care power of attorney, they want to do that with someone that they can trust implicitly because those two documents can uh, preserve for that elder the ability to um, uh, function perhaps in the home or to be in a situation that they'd prefer to be in rather than perhaps be placed uh, in a nursing facility. Um, the documents that we recommend, again, are a durable power of attorney for property and a health care power of attorney. You know, I've seen situations over the years, and I'm sure you have also, Tenny, where uh, you'll have one child in a family where there may be multiple children, and one child in particular is taking advantage of a parent, um, and the other children are really at a loss about what to do about it. Um, I, I've had a number of cases like that on the financial side, and it was really clear that this child was just milking the parent, and the parent felt badly and felt they had to do something to help this poor child, but really they're just taking advantage of the of the parent. And that's why I say it's almost uh, two sides of, a, of the sword, because you can trust someone uh, and put them into your document, but then they have quite a bit of power. Um, and so you don't obviously want to name someone who is going to abuse you, either physically or financially. Would that be a situation if there were, say, more than one child in the family? You might name multiple children or more than one person as a power of attorney agent, maybe name two together or something. Yes, that certainly is a good idea. And again, as Tenny mentioned, they really need to think it through and make sure that they trust the individual that they are assigning that power to. Because very often with our cases of elder financial exploitation, there is a decision maker, a legal decision maker to handle the finances, but they're not acting in the best interest of that elder. And they're either spending their money on themselves instead of meeting those needs of that individual elder or they're taking the money for whatever purposes and not um, using it as the document was intended. So the, the conference coming up uh, tomorrow, Monday, June 15th, at Bristol Community College Building G, is really focused on how to prevent financial elder abuse. And I guess one way, Tenny, we would say is to have some documents in place, first of all. And what are some of the other kinds of things that we could do to prevent Anybody want to address that question? <laughs> what I would recommend is people be as aware as possible. So if you have any concerns that you know someone, whether it be a family member, a friend, a neighbor, that you have a concern that there might be some type of abuse, financial exploitation, you know, physical, um, any form, that you ask. Ask questions. Try and get involved to the extent that you can obtain a little more information. And if you have reasonable cause to believe that something is going on, mm -hmm. then file a report with Bristol Elder Services because it's better for people to at least become involved and be more aware of what's going on, which may also prevent an incident from occurring if there sure. is someone involved in at least asking questions. Is the reporting anonymous? I was just going to ask the same question. 
There are certain individuals, mainly those who hold some form of a license that are a mandated reporter, such as social workers, physicians, nurses, police officers, but people can file a report anonymously. What we ask if they are comfortable that they please don't file anonymously, but we certainly don't want them to not report. So if they are concerned, they should file and they can keep their information to themselves. But I do want to stress to people that anyone that files an elder abuse report, by law, that information is confidential and we as an agency cannot disclose that information to anyone. The elder, a family member, other professionals in the community, a physician, by law, we have to keep that confidential. That's very important. I might just um, talk a little bit more about what might happen. I had occasion uh, a few weeks ago, I guess it was, to call Bristol Elders because I was concerned about the person that I was doing a home visit with. I I even called the pastor to ask him to uh, look in on this person. And what I think people ought to remember is that you are not doing a disservice to this person by doing that, uh, nor are you creating a hassle for them because if there is any kind of abuse going on, you're uh, part of the key to perhaps helping that go away or helping that elder. You know, a long time ago, um, even Martin Luther said, nothing good ever comes of violence. And today, there's a different form of violence, and the form of violence is financial abuse, not just physical abuse. So we're looking forward to this conference that's coming up on Monday. And Tenny, um, if anybody's interested in reaching you to talk about the workshops that you're going to be doing, um, give us some information about that, please. If you would like to attend the workshop on Tuesday evening, June 16th, at 6.30 p.m. at the New Bedford Healthcare Center at 221 Fitzgerald Drive, New Bedford. That's up in the north end. Would you please just call our office to make a reservation so we'll know that we have enough room for you. That phone number is 508-998-8800. You know, um, I guess one of the most important things that ought to come out of today's uh, radio broadcast is If you are a victim of elder abuse, and you think you are, uh, don't be shy about it. Get some information, report it, talk to Bristol Elder Services, and ask them what they think. They'll do uh, a brief investigation and listen to you, but don't just sit in silence and suffer with it. Uh, And as Tenny has said, you have to have some kind of documentation in place so that you can name the people that you want to trust to handle your affairs uh, for you. There's an organization called the Institute on Aging, and part of that is a, um, a section called Elder Abuse Prevention Section, and they are describing what's going on today as really an epidemic. Uh, it says that we're in the middle of an elder financial abuse epidemic, and I guess that's because we are an aging population in this country, not only the present seniors, but all the baby boomers are coming along who will be seniors, and we're not just talking about um, you know, scams, but we're also talking about interfamily stuff where somebody's being taken advantage of. And if that happens, um, right now it's estimated that there's almost a million seniors in this country who are currently skipping meals as a result of financial abuse because their money has been taken from them and they can't even afford meals now in some cases. So um, don't sit silently and in particular... 
You know, I think everybody has a responsibility to take some action. Don't sit on the sidelines and do nothing. The White House um, in our country recently has held uh, a conference on aging, and their main topic was elder justice. So um, the impact of elder abuse affects us all. It tears apart families, and it costs people lots and lots of money. Um, Jennifer, are you going to be um, at the conference? I will. I will be moderating the conference. Oh, so you're actually going to be introducing everybody? And I shall. Good. That's exciting. I won't be able to be there myself, but uh, Tenny, you'll be there. And uh, that's good. Is anybody else from your office going, Tenny? Yes. Uh, many of our staff will be there to make sure that there um, are enough folks to, to speak with anybody who might want to inquire about legal documentation and how um, how early you should be involved with legal documents. That's one thing I, I wanted to mention, that um, you want to get these legal documents in place before it is a situation where you are unable, because if you are deemed to be incapable, then you would not be able to, to uh, put in place the documents that can protect you. I think you had a conference just recently involving um, multi-state fraud, where there was a senior who was had assets in more than one state, too. That gets really complicated, doesn't it? Yes, I'm not certain what you're referring to, but um, uh, if the, if you're speaking of the Florida case that we were involved with, yes, it gets very complicated because we could be dealing with um, probates in more than one state. We could be dealing with uh, attorneys and social service agencies and all kinds of situations. Well, I think this conference coming up uh, tomorrow at uh, Bristol Community College is going to be very important. And what I'm hoping is that people listening might have an interest to attend, uh, perhaps because they have somebody in their family. And it's a good opportunity to see what resources are out there in the community. Um, Do you also work with Coastline Elderly Services, Jennifer? Yes, we do. Coastline is our sister agency out of New Bedford. They provide the home care services in the greater New Bedford area, and Bristol does home care in the 15 communities of the greater Attleboro, Forever, and Tyne. Um, So we are both one of 27 what we call aging service access points in the state of Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. We are private nonprofit agencies that hold the state contract. Oh, okay. So you get your funding primarily from the state then? Correct. Well, I know that you also have handouts. For example, uh, one of the things I printed off your website is the Elder Abuse and Self-Neglect Fact Sheet. And it's uh, very detailed and it describes signs and symptoms of abuse. And if anybody's interested, they could either get that off the website or they could call your office Yes. to get that. And by the way, uh, Tenny, what is your website if anybody wants to know the kinds of services that you provide? Our uh, site is www.lance.com. LawInc.com, all one word with no uh, spaces and no um, periods or other points of uh, apostrophes or anything like that. Okay. Or they could just call you. Oh, yes. Our phone number is 508-998-8800. And would you want somebody to call if they want to go to your workshop to make a reservation? We do ask that you do that, please, just so we'll be certain that we have... Uh, sufficient space, and we'll have some. Uh, I know New Bedford Healthcare is providing some nice refreshments, so we'd love to have you come. So, there's some really interesting things happening in the community over the next couple of days. 
Uh, first of all, the Financial Elder Abuse Conference at Bristol Community College, and then secondly, the workshop. Is, is, what's the date of your workshop? Is it the following day? It is. The prevention uh, conference is Monday the 15th, and our workshop is Tuesday the 16th. The uh, prevention conference is in the morning, and ours is in the evening. And I'd like to remind everybody listening that this is uh, Money Wise, brought to you by USA Wealth Group. And our mission is very simple. We are looking to protect your family and protect your money. And we do that in a variety of ways, including working with agencies such as Bristol Elder Services and interacting with Attorney Tenny Lance. So it's a very important subject for all of us. And um, our website, by the way, is USA Wealth Group at Comcast.net. We invite you to visit that. If you miss this show or you want to listen to one of the prior shows, we do place all of our radio shows on our website, so you're welcome to go back and listen to a show again if you had a, uh, something you were interested in. But um, I, I would like to close with one of my quotations, uh, Phil, but on a more positive, happy note, because some of the quotations that I provided today were a little sobering. So this one says, well, first of all, I have to tell you who wrote this. Uh, James Barry. You know who James Barry was? James Barry. He wrote Peter Pan. And there's a wonderful movie called Finding Neverland, which I recommend to everybody. So James Barry said, those who bring sunshine to the lives of others cannot keep it from themselves. And so with all the difficult subjects we've been talking uh, about today of elder abuse, um, I, I thought I'd like to quote on a more positive note. So I'd like to say a big thank you to Attorney Tenny Lance from Lance Law, Inc. Thank you, Tenny, for being here today. Thank you for having me again. And I'd like to say thank you to Jennifer Dias Resendez from Bristol Elder Services. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. And we will see you again next week. Indeed so. And uh, while we're thanking everyone, we thank you, the listener, for tuning into MoneyWise Radio. Please remember that none of us can be an expert at everything, so... Why not let the professionals at USA Wealth Group help you protect your family and protect your money and let their family protect your family. So until next Sunday morning, have a safe weekend. Stay well, everybody.